Nidharam Perik base, Mishnah base, 2 2. And the first part of this Mishnah will contrast three attempts at making a neder, which are ineffective, with three attempts which are essentially identical but using a shvuah instead of a neder expression, which are yes effective um, in making one bound to his shvuah, to his oath. So we'll call those cases 1a, 1b, 1c are the attempts at making a neder, whereas 2a, 2b, 2c are almost identical expressions, um, but using a shvu instead, which are yes, effective. Okay, so the first case of the Mishnah is 1a, is karban lo'ochalach, which means something like sacrifice, as shall I eat of yours. So it sounds like what a person's trying to do here is to make a shvua, to swear by the korban, by a korban, that he won't eat his friend's food. Now, you can't take a shvua using the expression korban, that's not effective. The shvua has to be tied back to um expression of shfu itself or Hashem. So therefore, it's not going to be binding. Um, what's interesting is that we had said back in Mishnah 1.3 of the previous parak that if a person says, lo chulin lo ochalach, that would be binding. And of course, lo chulin lo ochalach, which means... Um, that which I don't eat of yours shall not be chulen, which implies that which I will eat of yours shall yes be not chulen, meaning shall yes be korban. Um, so it sounds like um, those are very similar expressions, meaning if, and, and to the contrary, korban lo ochalach sounds um, even more, I don't know, sounds closer than lo ochulen lo ochalach, lo chulen lo ochalach, excuse me. Um, but the reason why is there, there's no way to say lo chulen, is um, lochulin can't be understood to be referring to a shvua. Can't you? One wouldn't take an oath. Quinn can swear not by korban. That makes no sense. And therefore, that would be binding. Whereas if a prince says korban loochalach, that sounds like a shvua, and therefore it is not going to be binding. Okay, that's case one a. Um, in contrast, you look at case two um, a. It says shvua loochalach. If one said shvua loochalach, that would be binding because it's taking a shvua. He's swearing that he will not eat his friend's food. Case one b says korban sheochalach. Now that also is not effective to be bound by the neder. Um, now that's very strange because if you remember, Mishnah one four of the previous parak said korban sheochalach is indeed binding as a nether, as is HaKorban Sh'ochalach. So, therefore, it makes no sense that our Mishnah here says Korban Sh'ochalach is not binding, and therefore, the Gemara says we actually have to um, change the gears, to change the words of our Mishnah to read HaKorban Sh'ochalach, which means something like this Korban um, that I eat of yours, and that now, we've now turned it to sound like you're sort of swearing again in the name of the Korban, of an offering, which is not effective. Okay, so we have to change the gears now. In contrast, while korban or hakorban sheochalach is not effective because it sounds like a shvua when you say hakorban, that's case one b, case two b, if you will, where it says shvua sheochalach, I swear that I will eat of yours. That is going to be binding. Let's explain more in a minute. Okay. The third one c is if a person says lo korban lo ochalach, which I will not translate literally, but I'll explain. It's like a person saying. That of yours which I do not eat shall not be like a korban to me. The implication might be, therefore, that of which that of yours of which I do eat shall be like a korban to me, which sounds like an effective nether. 
However, the reason why one cannot draw that inference, contrapositive, the inference of saying what I just said, is because the author of our Mishnah is Rebbe Meir. Rebbe Meir holds the principle is lav From a negative sentence, a neg- negative principle, one may not derive, infer a positive statement. So while it's true that one could arguably say, if, I, if my sentence is, I'm reading the words, just repeating myself, if the sentence was lo korban, lo ochalach, that which I don't eat of yours is not like Corbin. One could infer that which I do eat of yours is like Corbin. Reb Meir says, no, one may not. The, the rule is that one cannot make such an inference. And since the author of our Mishnah is Reb Meir, so he holds, therefore, that such a netter is not binding. Um, of course, there are other sheets not like Reb Meir hold that Mechlal love one may make such an inference, um, but that's like our Mishnah. I'm just paving the way to an obvious caution in a moment. Reb Meir holds that rule of Michlalav only applies where there's some Indian of Mamanus involved, where there's some financial consideration. And in the context of Vened there, there's always a financial consideration because if I'm forbidding your food to me, that means I have to pay for my food from somewhere else. So therefore, I'm there's a financial consideration, because remember, the netter goes on the object. If object becomes prohibited to me, so the prohibition means that I'm now you know, restricted some way financially. That has a cost. Whereas in the case of a shvua, as we'll see shortly, it's only on the person. There's only an issue of iser veheter, not of mamanos. It's just may or may not I do something. And therefore, even a mayor would hold that mechla lav You may make such an inference. Okay, we'll see that shortly. Okay, so those are the f- first three cases of our Mishnah, and all through those cases, the Mishnah says mutar, even though one sounds like he is trying to forbid something, the thing remains permitted. In contrast, here now we have 2A, 2B, 2C again, if a person says, shvua lo ochalach, I swear that I shall not eat of yours, so that's like, that's what the, impl- the implication is, although the words just means oath, not eat yours, which is, of course, not a full sentence and not a comprehensive, coherent sentence, necessarily. Um, nevertheless, we're saying that is a sir, that is binding, and one may not eat, um, because we're interpreting it to mean, like, shvua shatei I should be bound by an oath, shlo ochal that I will not eat your stuff. And that, of course, would be, like, then a binding Torah sh- oath, a Torah binding shvua. And we're using here, like, yaldos, we're saying, although the thought wasn't complete, the meaning is clear, and therefore, he would be bound. Okay, um, now just worth noting separately is that when a person says shvulo ochalach, he certainly is not mentioning the shem Hashem, right? Now there's a question in the Rishonim if one has to say shvua b'ashem, I swear by God that I will not eat your food, um, if that's the required formula for abiding shvua. Now essentially, all the Rishonim agree that if one makes a shvua without employing the shem Hashem, without using God's name, he's bound by it. But um, the Rambam holds, if the name of Hashem is not implicated in the Shavua, one doesn't say Shavua Bashem, I swear by God. So then, if he actually transgresses what he said and does what he said he wouldn't do, um, or doesn't do what he said he would do, for that matter, so then, according to the Rambam, if there's no Shem Hashem employed, there will be no obligation um, for the violation of the of this Shavua, which normally is, if one violates a Shavua, and let's say he uses Shem Hashem, everyone agrees, so then if he does it Bishogeg, inadvertently, so kind of like Hilchos Shabbos, I said, I, I, t- I swear to Hashem, I will not eat your food. If then I forget about my oath and I eat your food, or I eat food not realizing it's your food, so then um, 
I would have to bring a korban. The korban is called the olive yorid, a variable offering, like a sin offering, but depending on the wealth of the person, depends on exactly what he brings. Um, and if one does it um, bemazed, he knows what he's doing and he does it anyways, eats the food he's not allowed to eat, then he would incur malchus lashes. So the Ramam holds, if you don't say Shem Hashem, there's no malchus, no korban, whereas others like the Ran hold, yes, there is malchus and the korban, even if you just say Shvu without the Shem Hashem. Okay. Case 2b. If a person says Shvua Sha'ochalach, I swear that I will eat your stuff. Now, what's this talking about over here? Usually it sounds like he's saying, I won't eat. So the case here is understood from the context of the discussion that's happening in real life. Meaning, so it's something like this is happening. If a person, you know, says to his friend, you know, here, eat my soup. And he says, I'm not eating your soup. And he says, no, come on, eat the soup. He says, I'm not eating your soup. He says, come on, eat the soup. The guy says, like I swear, if I eat your soup, like something like that, it's hard to translate exactly. The one is he's taking a shvua about eating the soup, but it's clear from the context he's swearing he's not going to eat the soup, not that he is going to eat the soup. Then he'd be bound because of the context. And similarly, of course, if a person would say shvua these very same words, um, in context, it could mean he's swearing to yes, eat the soup. Like, for example, if I say eat the soup, and you say, uh, okay, I'm eating it. I'm, I will right now. And they say, no, eat it now. I say, you say, yeah, I'm going to eat it right now. I say, eat it right now. You say, I swear I'm going to eat it. So then by saying, I swear I'm going to eat it, again, um, that would be bound that you now have to eat it. And if you fail to eat it, um, then you've violated the, the the law of not doing what you said you're going to do. Okay. The third case, 2C we'll call it, is lo shvua lo ochalach. Uh, I'm not bound by an oath to not eat I'm not bound by an oath regarding what I don't eat of yours, which sound, which therefore the implication would be, I am bound by an oath against that which I do eat of yours. So again, we're talking, we're now again drawing an inference based on this negative to the positive, so it's like a contra-positive. Um, and and um, although we said in 1C, if one says, Lo korban lo ochalach, that's not binding. If one says shvua, lo, sorry, lo shvua lo ochalach, that is binding. Because here we do apply the principle of michlal lav atoshameyahain. From the fact one said, I'm not under oath regarding what I don't eat of yours, we will derive what the intention is that that which I do eat of yours, I am under oath. And although we said that the Tana of our Mishnah is Rebbe Meir, and Rebbe Meir holds, that mechlal lav iatashamehen, you can't make such an inference. Again, that's only where it comes to there's some sort of mamunus involved, some sort of financial consideration. And here we're talking about a shvua. A shvua is simply an oath to iser on the person. And therefore, even the mayor holds mechlal lav atashamehen, you can't make the inference. So if the person takes a shvua and says that lo shvua lo ochalach, I'm not bound by shvua about that which I don't eat of yours. So then I am bound with a shvua regarding that which I do eat of yours. So the Mishnah says us or in all three of those cases, to A, to B, to C. One is bound, and if one no longer can eat the food or whatever, he, he forswore. Period. Now, the next line of the Mishnah says, Zechomer b'shvuos mibinadarm. This is a stricture that applies to shvuos that doesn't apply to nadarm. Now, you might have thought that that's simply saying, you see three examples where neder doesn't work, and three examples where shvuah does work. The problem is, the expression of chomer implies that it does work, but to a greater degree. Um, by Shavuos. Whereas here we're saying it doesn't work at all. So therefore, Homer is not really the right language, but a choice of word. And therefore, the Gemara understands that this is actually referring to the previous Mishnah, 1 3, excuse, excuse me, 2 1. Um, and in Mishnah 2 1, the previous Mishnah, we said that if a person 
um, takes a neder against an action like konam she'eni yashen or konam she'eni medaber or konam she'eni mahalach. One says that sleeping or speaking or walking is forbidden to him like a korban. We said that's binding only rabbinically because eating, sleeping, talking doesn't is a davar she'en bomamish. It hasn't got a substance, not a physical thing. And therefore, midoraiz and neder can't devolve upon it. But midorabanan, we say it could. So the point there is that shvuas are more chamor, more strict than nedarim, and as much as they can be chal midoraisa and a davar she'en bomamish, a non-physical thing, whereas nedarim only are binding rabbinically on a non-physical thing. Okay? And if you'll ask, well, why did the Mishnah say it here instead of before? The answer is, the Mishnah really, every Mishnah really is like, the whole parak is like one block of text, if you will. Um, uh, text, so to speak. One 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 contiguous piece that can be um, referred to. So even though this Mishnah is referring to the previous Mishnah, that's that's not uncommon at all. And in fact, the way the Mishnah is broken up, the parak of Mishnah is broken up, varies between our Mishnah and the Bali in a number of places. In fact, the Bali itself breaks up this Mishnah we're talking about here into a couple of pieces, and the previous Mishnah into three pieces. Um, and the Yerushalmi also breaks up the Mishnahs differently. So the point is, Zechomer B'Shvuas M'Vinadarim is referring to the previous Mishnah's case about the Darais and Durban on taking Shvuas on the Bar Mishnah and Mishnah more strict. Now, we're going to, in contrast, we'll say, V'chomer B'Nadarim M'Bishvuas. There are ways in which, well, here's a way in which, um, the Dharma are more strict than a Shavua. How is that, Ketzad? Because if a person says, Omer, Konam Sukkah She'ani Osa, a person says, the Sukkah that I shall make shall be forbidden to me like a Korban, or a Lulav Shani Onotel, the Lulav that I take to shake on Sukkah should be forbidden to me like a Korban, or Tefillin Shani Maniach, the Tefillin which I put on myself shall be forbidden to me like a Korban. In all those cases, Benadarim Asur, if one makes a as such, he's bound and he cannot shake such a lulav, or wear such tefillin, etc. Now, the reason why is because the neder goes on the object. So, one essentially is making the object forbidden, um, which would mean that if one were to now wear these tefillin, or shake this lulav, which is forbidden to him, so then he would be like a mitzvah hababa avera. He's simultaneously doing the avera of luyachal devaro, of profaning his word, and the mitzvah would be mitzvah of um, shaking lulav, or wearing tefillin, etc., now, um, it's kind of analogous to let's say if you have if you have matzah to eat on Seder night. So of course there's a mitzvah asa to eat matzah, um, but the problem is let's say for example um, the matzah is tevel; it hasn't had its proper hafasha taken from it. So it's asher eats like not kosher. So the point is even though you only have matzah to eat and it's not chametz, it's kosher as matzah, but it's not kosher to eat for a different reason. So you can't eat it. So even though you have matzah in front of you, you can't eat that matzah, and you can't you know. You can't ignore the fact that it's Asr, so you won't be able to fulfill your mitzvah of Achilles Matzah. If you'll ask, wait a second. The general rule is that mitzvah ase dochelosase, if you have a conflicting mitzvah, one says you have to do something, one says you may not do something. So the general rule is that the ase dochelosase, that the obligation to do, trumps the obligation not to do. While that is true, it's not applicable over here because the mitzvah of um, the mitzvah of fulfilling your neder. Um, is actually a twofold mitzvah hatch both the love, the prohibition of lo yachal devaro, but also as the mitzvah ase, the positive mitzvah, second of the 613, you have to do whatever you say. So since you have both an ase and a losa ase when it comes to the dharm, a simple mitzvah ase, like tefillin or lulav, would not uh, over, um, you know, override that. Okay, so therefore you see nadarim are binding. Um, 
even if they're against a mitzvah. And a couple other questions might just lose ends here. If you ask, there's an inconsistency here, why would it say, when it talks about the lulav, it says, lulav shani notel, because there's a mitzvah of natilas lulav. And tefillin shani maniach, because there's a mitzvah of maniach, of hanachas tefillin. Why does it say sukkah shani ose? There's not a mitzvah to make a sukkah, there's a mitzvah to yeshivas sukkah, to dwell in the sukkah. So why did it say ose, an inconsistent language? So one answer is that the uh, Pasuk says, Chag hasukos ta'ase lecha, shivas yamim. So the verse itself, when it refers to dwelling in the sukkah, refers to it as ta'ase, like ose making, and therefore it uses that kind of language. Um, a separate question one might ask is, normally the prohibition that one takes to the nether is something that's like forbidden to get benefit from, like a korban, and there's a rule we say, which is mitzvos lav lahenos netno, mitzvos weren't given for you to get benefit from. So when you're putting on your tefillin, it's not for the joy of putting on tefillin. When you're shaking lulav, it's not for the joy of putting on of shaking a lulav. It's for doing the mitzvah. And there's no hana necessarily at all. And therefore, even if hana is forbidden, it should be permitted to shake a lulav from which you're forbidden hana from. So um, there are a few different answers given here, but the simplest one, I think, is to say that when he took this nether, he made it clear. He was forswearing uh, through a nether the actual shaking of lulav or the wearing of tefillin, etc. And therefore... Although it's not a hanap issue per se, um, he took a, a vow not to shake the love where it fell and sit in the sukkah, and therefore he can't. Okay, in contrast, while those are effective because the dharm can work on objects, b'shvuos mutar, says the Mishnah, if you took a shvua against dwelling in the sukkah or shaking the love or wearing tefillin, you would still be allowed to do those things. There's no such thing as taking a shvua against doing a mitzvah. The shvua goes on the person, and the person already is um, bound by a previous shvua that he was made back at Har Sinai, that he was going to dwell in the sukkah, shake a lulav, wear tefillin, and therefore you can't take a shvua against that because you already have, you're already bound to, yes, do it. Therefore, it's not binding. And that's an example where so this is an example where in the Dharm are more Hummer than Shvuos. Now if you'll ask the question, wait a second. A few moments ago, I was busy saying how Chomer implies um, that it's a difference of degree, not a difference of kind. And here we're saying the Shvua is not binding, so therefore it should be the same issue. How could you say that the Nether is more Chomer than the Shvua, when Nether is binding where the Shvua isn't binding? There's no Rabbinic binding either. So what's going on? So, an answer is that when it comes to Shavua, if you take a Shavua against what the Torah said you're going to do, while it's certainly true that your Shavua's bitui, like your commitment is not binding, which you said you're not bound to do, you can't, you still have to shake your lulav, etc. But, one would then be on the hook for a Shavua's shav, a oath, uh, taking an oath in vain, which is a separate crime all to itself, um, and therefore, while the, it's it's more chamur, the nether than the Shavua, because while the nether is binding, the Shavua isn't, you're still on the hook for a Shavua's shav, an oath in vain.